know there was a time, um, and I'm sure all three of our kids probably went through a phase like this, but I remember specifically with one of our kids that one of our kids went through a phase that we would say to the kid, oh, exactly what we wanted from the kid. The kid would look at us, understand us, not along with us. Then we'd turn around, and then the kid would go and do whatever that kid wanted to do. I remember even just one time, uh, I'll give you an example, and, and this is the way it always goes, and sometimes our, when our kids were little, they'd take baths together, but they'd take baths together, and you, you would look at the kid, and you would say, hey, um, it's okay to play, you know, you're going to have some fun, here's your toys, but please no splashing. You know, keep the water inside the bathtub, we're not at the pool, okay, so, so please keep it in there. And I remember my wife saying to me, there was this time when she would say to me, you have to tell the kids, and then you have to have them repeat it back to you. So I would say, what did I just say to you? Keep the water in the tub, Dad. Okay, so you heard me, and you repeated it back to me. And you would think that because they repeated it back to you, because that's what my wife told me, that, that it would work, right? So you leave, and, 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 and let's wait a second. The whole reason why, why do we tell kids not to splash? It's not for no reason. It's not like we're just trying to put a damper on, on, on life for them. No. You know, it, it's, it's because splashing is going to lead to somebody getting hurt. Water's going to get on the walls and the floor. Uh, someone could slip. Um, and almost always splashing leads to, you got water in my eye, which is you're in the bathtub, and you start to cry. But, but it leads to crying. And, and every time we, we would say, like, no splashing, it would always end up coming back to, a kid crying because there was splashing. And, 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 and you know that this is the way it is. We, we hear it, we hear what the rule is, we hear them say it to us, and then we do something else. And I'm no different. I mean, I know this because, and it's funny because I'm talking about splashing right now, and I look out and there's a couple of lifeguards here today from the pool who, who I deliberately walk around and I splash them when we go to the pool. So, but, um, what's that? They are, so they shouldn't mind. You're right. That's my son sticking up to me. But, but you know, um, it's, 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 it's when you hear something and, and you respond with your lips, but, but not with your actions. And, and I got one more for you. I, I, remember, I, I, I remember one time my daughter Maya playing in the bathroom, and you walk into the bathroom, and she was playing, and she was putting something in the toilet. And I walked in there, and we, we called her, and we said, hey, Maya, we don't, you, know, you don't want to put stuff in the toilet, you know, because it's gross. You know, like, you're going to be playing with that toy that you're touching, and, and, and who knows what happened to that toilet 30 minutes earlier, okay? And, and so, so I remember just us talking to Maya, and, 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 and Maya looking at me, understanding, nodding along with us, and then you walk back in not much later, and this is what you get. We walk in there, and I think every toy that Maya had that was a sponge, if you look closely in the middle, there's a sock in there, and, 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 and Maya heard me, she acknowledged me, she said, yeah, I get it, and then when I come back, what was there? Everything was in the toilet. I asked her if I could share that, she said it was okay. So, but, you know, it, it, it is, this is, is a picture of who we are. Do you know what I mean? This is exactly who we are with God. 
God can give us his word. God can speak to us. He can, he can use his Holy Spirit. He can give us guidance. We can hear it, and, 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 and we can know it in our conscience. And yet, somehow I can justify or do something my own way, even when it's wrong. Am I right? Or is it just Brandon? Okay. Today what we're going to be do, doing, again, is, is uh, looking at this text, oh, I was going to say something. Let me take this one step further. I think this happens even more when things get hard for us. When, when life gives us a situation that we're not thrilled with, how much easier is it for us to act in our own accord? Like, oh, man, uh, my truck broke down on me. It's all right if, uh, and, 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 and then we come up with excuses for for. for how am I going to pay for it? Um, or we cheat the system in some way. Uh, we get mad at God for him not giving us certain things, and, and then we act out, and, and, and we don't trust him. And what we're going to be looking at today is these four verses from Exodus. So let's pray, and then, and then we'll, we'll get started here. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we just ask for your, your Holy Spirit to, to, to guide us, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts, our minds, our souls. Lord, you'd be convicting us. And you'd be working in and, and, and through us, Lord. Um, so, thank you for this time, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So, let's read. It'll come up here on the, on the board here. Exodus chapter 16, 31 through 35. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was, light, it was white like cor- coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omar of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert where I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omar of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. All right. So that's a, a unique text, isn't it? You know, um, I read this text to you because it, it points to the heart of the people of Israel without having me read to you the first 16 chapters of the Exodus. God reveals to us the forgetfulness of man, and not just the Israelites, but also in you and me. They needed to be reminded. Um, I was talking this morning, even out, out there in the Bible study, uh, um, as, we were, as we were doing that this morning, and Dean had said this, the number of times where God had to keep reminding the Israelites that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And it's like he kept on saying it, and he kept on saying it, and he kept on saying it. And to go back to even the illustration earlier, how often do we keep on saying stuff to our kids because we're their parents. We're the ones who guide them. But, but so we, we hear this and we see this because there needs to be a reminder the text that we looked at last week was, was Abraham, and Abraham was, if you guys remember, was, was, was asked by God to sacrifice Isaac. Then God stopped him, and he blessed him. Uh, he blessed Isaac, 
who, and if we're following, the reason why we're going to this, you, we're following what God's doing here, and he has Abraham, and then he has Isaac, and then Isaac has two sons, and then his sons have a whole bunch of sons, and that's how we get to the song, Father Abraham had many sons, but, but it was when these sons ended up being in Egypt, and they're slaves to the Egyptians, and God uses Moses to bring the, the people out of Egypt through a series of miraculous events. And if, you were, if you're following this, when we talked about this, when God called Abraham to leave his land, it was so that God could set them apart. God wanted to do this in a way that, that in no other way could somebody be given credit so that we all knew that it was God who was at work. And God does that through, through Abraham and through his family line. And then we see that the people, the Israelites, Abraham's family line end up in Egypt. And when they're in Egypt, they're slaves, they're captives, their life isn't the best for them. You know, uh, God uses Moses to bring his people out of Egypt through a series of miracles. And when we see this, when you read this, in the instance, we see the seven plagues, and, the, and then we see God split the Red Sea, and we see God crush Pharaoh and his army. So God delivers them from under the hand of the mighty Egyptians. He reveals um, his power through all the plagues. And again, he wants to show the people that there was no coincidences. Nothing that had happened to their freedom did not come on accident, but only through God. And I want you to think about this because, because it is the same, or no, no. And, and as they're leaving, and, and, and they're, being, they're leaving Egypt, and they're coming out of the land of Egypt, and they're no longer slaves, people are throwing and giving to them gold and silver and their other possessions to leave. So not only are they now not, not oh, slaves, they're, they're, they're given some wealth as well. And then here's what happens, and we're getting to the point of the text, but here's what happens. When they get freed, and they're given the gold and the silver, and they're no longer going to be slaves, and they're, and they're leaving the, the, the oppressors, they, they, they sing a song. And this is after, actually, after they get, uh, Pharaoh's army gets crushed in the Red Sea. They start to sing a song. And this is what man starts to sing to God. And I'm not going to do all of it, but it says... Um, Moses and the Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My, the, my father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And it goes on, and it goes also give a couple more. His right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemies. And it goes on, and, and it basically lifts up and worships God for all that he had done for them. Okay? And then right after they get done singing this song, right after they get done singing this song, it's not much after this, that, uh, that we get to our text. And, 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 and what happens here is that they're in the desert, and they don't have anything to eat, and, and in our text it says, I want you to take some of the manna I give to you, and I want you to place it in the jar for the people to see. I want them to remember that which I did for them. So they take the manna, they place it in the jar, and this is the best I could do, so hopefully you get a, a, a glimpse of it. And it says, this is what the Lord commanded them. Take an omar of manna and keep it for the generations to come, so that they can see the bread I gave to you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. God is telling them this for a couple of reasons. And the first part I want us to hear is this. It is a message to the coming generations of what the Lord pulled them out of. 
So they took some of the manna, they placed it in the jar, and they wanted people to be able to see that which they were saved from. So that when they came across this, this jar and they saw the manna, it, it wasn't just a piece of bread in a jar, but it was more than that. It was that which they have been saved from. Because it's so easy for, for us to forget that which we've been saved from. Think about this. Um, Israel had a problem. They trusted God with their lips, but they didn't trust God with their actions. They were constant complainers. They didn't trust God. They, 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 they couldn't really submit to him. They would say things like this. Oh, you brought us up out of Egypt because there weren't enough graves there where we could die. So you brought us into the desert. So after he does all the miracles, they complain. And they said, oh, you brought us out here to die. Then they say to us, you brought us out here so we could die of thirst. Is that why you brought us out here? Then they said, let's elect a leader who can take us back to Egypt, where at least our pots were filled with meat. And, and if you're following this, it's amazing how when we're, we're, we're tried, how when we're, we're going through these tough moments in life, we can look back and we can rewrite history. Right? We become revisionist. And here's why. Because the people of Israel were slaves. And they were becoming so strong in number, so mighty in number, that what did Pharaoh say to do with their, with their sons that were born? Kill them. How? Throw them in the Nile. And then you get to something like this verse where it says, if only we were still slaves in Egypt where our pots were full of meat. And it's an exaggeration. They're, re they're not remembering it the way that it was. And, 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 and they say, you know, if only then. And, and, and God is saying to them, take some of this manna, manna and place it before them so they can see who delivered you from that place you used to be in. And you want to, I honestly believe, I think I'm no different. There are days when things don't go the way I want. I, I'll get, I'll get angry. I know it's hard for you guys to believe this, but I get angry sometimes. And, and even more when I was a little bit younger and I was new to the faith, I remember just being like a, a, a new believer, and even probably for like 10 years after I became a Christian. So probably like, um, I came to faith probably like sophomore year of, of high school. And up until my, probably like, from fifth grade to sophomore, every time I had an issue with somebody, we dealt with our issues differently. We would just fight. I mean, just, just, that's it. I heard he talking about you. He did what? Boom, you're fighting. You know, every year, I was suspended from school five times for fighting. And why not five times? Because on the sixth time, you're expelled. So, and I'm, I'm telling you this because then what happens is I become, I, I, I come to faith, and I realize I have some issues. Not some, I have a bunch, and I'm trying to downplay a little bit. I have issues, and one of them is anger. And then after I became a Christian, I remember, you know, like, these times were like, I would, I, I would say, man, if I wasn't a Christian, I would kick your face in. And, and, and when I would do that was really me saying, it was me saying this. Man, I want to go back to the days when I was a slave and my pot was full of meat. It was really me saying, I don't trust God to deal with this issue for me, and if I could deal with it on my own, I would just punch you in the face right now. 
Matter of fact, there's this uh, at the Bible school that we went to. Um, that's where I met my wife. But I went there after high school. And, and the reason why I went there is because my pastor said to me, dude, you getting, like, I know you believe, but like, you get in too much trouble. You need to leave. So we'd go there. And, and like, one of my favorite things to say would be, man, I wish I could punch you in the face. You know, and that would be something. And, and I even had a friend who said to me not too long ago, remember I used to always say I'd love to punch you in the face? I remember saying that to you. Yes, I do. And, 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 but each time, again, I'm just saying, like, that's us resorting back to our old nature. That's us saying, I wish I could take things into my own hands because I really don't trust God to do this for me. And when, and when God takes that man or tells him to take that manna and put that in a jar, he is reminding them that you no longer get to live in the old nature and with the old self. And that you need and I need to trust God to deliver this manna to us again tomorrow. But we don't do that. It's so hard for us to trust God to be the deliverer of the things that we need for tomorrow. And most times when I would say I'd like to punch someone in the face, it's because I was embarrassed. They humiliated me. They said something I didn't like. And that's how I probably wanted to handle it. And God's saying, hey, man, let me handle it. What they said about you isn't true. You're a new creation in Christ. I have delivered you. I've changed you. Why do you care about what they would say about you? Look at what I say about you. My favorite thing about it, I just mentioned it a little bit, but my favorite part about this is this, that when God gave them manna, he didn't give them manna for, for a week at a time, did he? How often did he give it to them? Every day, except on the day, day before the Sabbath, he gave for them two days, so they collect two days' worth. And when they took too much and they took it back, if, 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 when they went out to the, and took the manna, if they took too much, what would happen to it? It would spoil and get maggots, Right? And, and, and God is saying, and this is in this story, it's really cool because what he's saying is, you need to trust me not just for today, but you need to trust me for what? Tomorrow. And you need to trust me for the day after that. And, and, and these people were so short-sighted that they just couldn't get past it. And that's part of the reason why, and, 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 and um, it's part of the reason why this jar becomes so important because what he said is, hey, you saw the plagues I rained down on Egypt and then you forgot. You saw me crush his army in the Red Sea and then you forgot. You forgot that when you didn't have water, I delivered to you in the desert and then you forgot. And what he's saying is, I don't want you to forget who delivers to you your bread. I don't want you to forget where anything comes from you. And you know what I was thinking about when I was doing this, working with this message was this. I wonder what, what, what God would put on this for me today. Like, if God was to put something here in front of me for me to remember my past, not really, it's not, not to call me to remember my past, it's, it's actually calling for me to remember my future because he's the one who points me to it and he, he provides for me. Would it be a cross? What would it be? You know, like, and... and because he is the one who continues to provide for us. And he's saying this to them because you remember where God's calling them? God is calling them, if you're following along with the, in the readings with us, you know, God is calling them to a promised land. And in this promised land, there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be issues. Life isn't going to be the way you wrote it down on a sheet of paper. Right? You, you lose your job. Your marriage isn't the way you want it. Oh. 
I could go on and on. I'm not going to. We know inside each one of us, we know some of those things that we didn't expect the life to be the way it is. Okay? I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't expect for my parents to get divorced. I didn't expect for my mom to go to jail. I didn't expect for, for uh, my mom to even die at such a young age. I didn't, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about things I didn't expect and how life's not fair. But the reality of it is this, that life is more than fair. Jesus Christ is more than fair because he always provides the manna that I need. And we're no different than the Israelites. You know, God calls us to depend on him daily. You know what? Um, I was thinking about when we say the Lord's Prayer, right? How about when we say the Lord's Prayer? Give to me what? My daily bread. Daily, God provides. Daily, we need to submit and trust and love the Lord because our hearts are prone to wander. Think about that. Our hearts are prone to wander. They wandered in the wilderness for like 40 years. Are we different? In John chapter 6, it says, uh, we, we read that verse earlier today, but it, it's, it's, here's what happens. In the first part of John chapter 6, Jesus performs a miracle, and it's the, the miracle where he feeds all the people, okay? And then, you, and then there's something, there's like a, about five verses, and then he goes into like the next town. And when he's in the next town, the people hear he's coming, and they run out to him. And this is what they say to him. They say, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, uh, Moses, Moses was so great. He, he delivered manna to us every day. And Jesus says, man, Moses didn't give you manna. That wasn't Moses. That was, that was my father who gave you the manna. And, 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 and then Jesus says to them this, you know, because you want, you want something that isn't going to last. You only came out here today because you're hoping for some bread. But really, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes me will never be thirsty. And when Jesus says this, he is calling them out of the desert and into the promised land to the, to the people who are around him that day. It's no different. Just as Israel was called out, he's calling us out. And this is, this is Israel is caught up. He's calling them out. And he's saying, listen, I am the bread of life. Whatever you have going on in your life, whatever it was before today, before this moment, I'm the one who can deliver you from it. Um, can you go back to that one slide, Joel? Um, this is the slide we had up before communion. And it says, communion, do this in remembrance of me. You know, and I asked you to put that there because, because when, when, when God spoke to the Israelites, he said, put that manna out there so that when they see it, they'll remember where I've taken them from. And when we do communion, it's, it's where he's taken us from, it's where he's, what he's taken from us and what he's given to us and what he's provided for us. Okay? So what does that mean? Here it is. It means that whatever your sin is, whatever your mistakes are, Whatever, whatever shame you carry around with you, whatever guilt lies in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, whatever it is that you think is so hard and so horrible, you've been delivered from it. When you believe that Jesus Christ dies on a cross and is resurrected from the dead and you place your faith in, in that he is the sacrifice, he is the payment for my sin, 
then he becomes your bread of life. That which you struggle with is no longer yours. Do you understand that? I, I want to hear you say, I get it. It's no longer yours. When we do communion, you have been forgiven of your sins. They're not yours. They're his. Amen?
receive the benediction stage. I, I should have said this earlier. If following the service, there is a meeting for YC19. Please, uh, if you're going to that, stick around for the meeting. It'll be right after the service ends. Also, if you weren't here last week and you'd like an information packet about the interview we're going to have at the end of the month, please find me after the service. I have a few of those left as well. Okay? And with that being said, receive the benediction, which is Jesus Christ's own words to us when he said this, Just as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. Go in peace.